If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Have you ever noticed that many people can go about life completely oblivious to their spiritual state? They live as they want. They behave as they want. Their actions carry with them no regret. They have no remorse for how they live. Usually the only thing that causes them to feel bad is if their actions have consequences that affect them. But whenever a man or a woman encounters God, so people can go on doing anything they want, and they don't really feel anything. They don't notice anything. They're like, what's the big deal? They think that you're a fool for not doing what they do. Until a man or a woman comes into the presence of God. And it's incredible how whenever a man or a woman comes into the presence of God and has an encounter with the living God, how immediately they become aware of their sinfulness. People who for years could never see it. It's as if their eyes are open and even the most simple, small things, their heart becomes grieved because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying, and they were calling one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, a doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And notice his response as he comes into the presence of a holy God. This prophet Isaiah, he was a man of God. And yet he said, woe is me. I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Father, I pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say and give us a heart that's receptive to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. When a person comes into the presence of a holy God, he is suddenly made aware of his own sinfulness and his need for forgiveness. No one needs to tell him, but in God's presence, it's as if spiritual blinders are taken off and he becomes aware of his need. Thankfully, we serve a God who's gracious and forgiving. The psalmist said in Psalms chapter 32, verse 1 and 2, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. In Psalms 103, verse 2, the psalmist said, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of our sins, and he heals all of our diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. 
Well, how does God forgive sin? Does God just wink and bump his elbow and say, ah, no big deal? Is that how God forgives sin? No, I want you to understand this. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this today. Forgiveness is very costly. Forgiveness is not free. People want to say forgiveness is free. It's not free. Somebody has paid for forgiveness. True forgiveness always costs somebody something. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. In the Old Testament, the continual sacrifice of unblemished lambs was required to satisfy God's wrath and his judgment. Continually, animals gave their lives. Animals were sacrificed so that God's wrath and his judgment would be satisfied for a period of time. When Adam and Eve sinned, an animal died to cover up their nakedness. The only basis, and when we talk about forgiveness and this idea where it's, ah, it's no big deal. Whenever we go to God and he's like, hey, well, it's all right. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. That's the farthest thing from the truth. That's the farthest thing from the truth. God does not just wink at sin. He doesn't just say, hey, I'll let this one slide. I'll catch you next time. He doesn't say anything like that. The only basis, because you got to understand this, He is just and he is holy. He's not just forgiving. He's not just kind. He is just and holy. The only basis upon which a just and holy God can forgive our sin and reinstate us into his favor is through the shedding of blood. Jesus purchased God. I want you to hear that. Jesus purchased God's forgiveness and right standing for you on your behalf. When he, the Lamb of God, died on the cross for you and for me. Forgiveness that is free for you cost Jesus the agony of the cross. The only way that you can have forgiveness and peace with God, the only way is not a wink and an elbow. The only way is not, oh, it's not a big deal. Or minimizing the horror of our sin. The only way that we can have peace with God is through the cross of Christ. There is no other way. And anybody who describes to you a God who provides another way, or anyone who tells you there's another way, is deceived and is lying to you. There is only one way that your sins can be atoned for, and that is through the shedding of blood. Now Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and he said in Ephesians chapter 1-7, In him we have redemption. You know what redemption is? It's purchasing. You've been redeemed. You've been purchased. The price has been paid for you. In him we have redemption through his blood. How do you have redemption? Through what? Through his blood. The forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says it, For Christ suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous to do what? To bring you to God. That Christ suffered once, the righteous for the unrighteous, for the purpose of bringing you back to God. God's forgiveness and your restoration to right relationship with him 
is not based upon sappy feelings or emotions, but upon God's justice. You see, your sins and my sins have been atoned for on the cross of Calvary through the suffering of Jesus Christ. I believe it was Oswald Chambers who said, once you realize all that it costs God to forgive you, you will be held as in a vice, constrained by the love of God. I want to say that with you one more time. Once you realize all that it costs God to forgive you, you will be held as in a vice, constrained by the love of God. We know that God hates sin. He can't look upon sin. He has to turn away from it. But God desperately loves sinners. So Jesus paid the price himself for our redemption. Once the blood of Jesus has been applied to our sin, God no longer keeps record of it. Our forgiveness, and this is what I want you to hear, our forgiveness is total and it's complete. Do you know that God doesn't even remember the sins that have been placed under the blood of Jesus? The things that you go and talk to him about from years ago. The things that cause you shame. The things that cause you regret and remorse. Do you know when you talk to God about them, he does not know what you are talking about. The blood of Jesus. See, because only God, only God can forget and cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says that they will never to be, well, a couple verses. As far as the east is from the west, Psalms 103, 12. So far as he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43, 25. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your own transgression for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Some of those things that you keep going back to talk to God about. Do you know that when they're under the blood, when the blood has been applied, he remembers them no more. Now, you may have a relative who forgave you. We talk about forgiveness. It's important that we understand. You may get forgiveness, and it may be free for you, but it costs somebody something. It costs somebody. Somebody lives with the consequences. Somebody lives with the loss that your sin caused. Okay? And so someone may, because of the grace of God that's working in their life, and and you did something to sin against them, and they have let that go, and they have forgiven you, and they've extended grace to you. But whenever something comes back up, even if they have forgiven you, as human beings, what comes to our mind? Here's the reality. You know, they, they talk about forgiving and forgetting. Unless you get hit in the head really hard or have some type of brain damage, the reality of it is, is that's probably, I believe that God heals those things from our minds. And it's not the thing that we think of every time we see that person. But unless you have some kind of auto accident or you have some kind of health problem, it's going to be very hard for you to truly forget, to never remember again. Now, you may not hold it against them, but it's hard for it not to, in certain circumstances, come to our memory. But God says he cast our sin as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered. So we're going back to him and trying to tell him about things that he does not recall, that he doesn't bring to his mind. Now let me ask you this question. When you ask God to forgive you, do you accept his forgiveness right away? 
Or do you spend a lot of time feeling guilty, sad, discouraged, disappointed with yourself, frustrated with yourself, beating yourself up once again? Because there again, I blew it again. For many people, God's forgiveness and unconditional love is something that's extremely hard. It's very hard to comprehend. Because really in this life, there's really nothing like it. There's nothing it can possibly compare. We can have small comparisons, but they pale in comparison. This incredible grace and love and mercy and forgiveness that only God can give. So it's hard for mankind to possibly believe, and it seems sometimes too good to be true. So many times as Christians, people struggle with guilt and condemnation. They believe when we sing about the blood, they feel good. They feel it emotionally. There's something about them that says, yes, thank you for the blood. But then they remember, yes, I've I failed once again. The reality of it is in our daily lives, there's times in which the enemy would love to use your past against you. He would love to accuse you. He would love to bring up, whenever you're facing a difficulty, he would love to bring up, yeah, it's all your fault. If you hadn't, it wouldn't. When we talk about forgiveness, there are requirements to receive God's forgiveness. I need to repent. I can't truly receive forgiveness if I'm not repentant. If there's not repentance. So I need to repent And be willing to turn from my sin. To receive forgiveness, I have to acknowledge and confess my sin to God. I don't get forgiveness without confessing my faults before the Lord. I've got to be willing to forgive others. If I choose to hold on to all of the offenses of others and the pain and the resentments towards others, then the scripture says that God will withhold his forgiveness from me. If I can't forgive others, I, I can't be forgiven by him. But you know what? God's forgiveness is based upon what Jesus did upon the cross. He already paid the price for your forgiveness. He already did. And you have to understand, the beating that Jesus took, the suffering that he bore, the rejection and the humiliation that he bore, all of those things, the blood that he shed, the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet and the whip to his back, and the punches to his face, and the spear in his side, all of those things, Jesus was and is the overpayment for your sin because he was perfect and blameless. He had done no wrong. He did not deserve what took place, what happened to him. He did no evil, and yet this horrendous attack was placed upon him, the separation from God. So Jesus already paid the price. Yet many are trying to pay God back for what they did wrong. Many are trying to even the score. Lord, well, I will if you will. Lord, I know I messed up, so how about if I serve in the church? Lord, I know I messed up, so how about if I give some extra money? Lord, I know I messed up, so how about I try to be extra good and kind of go above and beyond? Lord, I know I I messed up, yet none of those things, none of those things can ever earn His grace and forgiveness. Some people struggle with feelings of forgiveness. Feelings of guilt and condemnation are huge in the church. But I want to say to you, that's what they are. They're feelings. 1 John 1, verse 9 says this. And you have to decide what you're going to believe. 
Are you going to believe your feelings and your emotions which go up and down and like the, the winds of the, and the waves of the sea? Or are you going to believe the truth of God's word that's solid, that the world was based upon? And it says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The next time that you confess a sin before the Lord, you ask him to forgive you. And then you feel guilty afterwards. You need to make a decision of what you're going to do. Are you going to believe your emotions and your feelings? Or are you going to base your faith upon what God says? And he says, if you'll confess your sins, he will be faithful and he will be just. And he'll forgive us of our sins. And he'll cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. I don't know where you're at today. We come into the church. We face a lot of challenges in this world. There's a lot of attacks that are against us. A lot of us have a past. There's things that we wish never happened. There's things that we can't undo. And sometimes when we come into the presence of the Holy God, every time we come in, we become undone when we recognize how holy He is. We recognize when we come into the presence of a Holy God, we recognize our need for a Savior. We recognize our need for grace. We recognize our need for Him to touch our lips and heal us, for Him to cleanse us. But you know, sometimes the old enemy... He takes advantage of that. And he accuses us. The Bible says that, what is he? He's the accuser of the brethren. That he points a finger at us. And I can just tell you, I know there's some people in this room today that you come before the presence of the Lord and the old devil, he points a finger at you. And he brings up things against you. He brings up things from your past. He accuses you and he tells you you're not worthy to be here. You're not worthy to be in this room. Oh, thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Aren't you thankful today? Now, here's what I want to say to you. If you're that person and you've been forgiven and you've brought those things before the Lord, don't allow the enemy to keep you out of God's presence by reminding you of those things. And so many times that's what happens. We feel so unworthy. God, how could you use me? God, how could you flow through me? God, I'm I'm so unworthy to do anything for you. I'll just stay back in the corner. I'll, I'll come, but I won't really approach your throne because I feel so absolutely unworthy. Well, that would be true if it wasn't for the blood of the Lamb. That would be true if somebody already didn't pay your bill, my friend. He paid it in full with the ultimate price. The death of Jesus on the cross. And what he asks you to do now is he asks you to come near, draw near to him with a heart that's filled with faith and with a heart that's filled with gratitude. Oh, Lord, thank you. I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to be embarrassed anymore. I don't have to think that that's really who I am because the blood of Jesus has been applied to my life. I'm thankful for the blood. I want to say something to you. You need to receive it. That's God's word for you today. Don't let anybody steal it. Don't let the enemy keep accusing you and pushing you away. But would you draw near to the Lord with the heart of faith? Today for the blood of Jesus. I thank you that there's no sin. There's no failure. 
that the blood of Jesus is not efficient enough, not powerful enough to cleanse. There's no unrighteousness. There's no ungodliness. No depth. No height that the blood of Jesus cannot reach. And I thank you today, God, that the blood has been applied to our lives. I thank you, Lord, that whenever we called out to you, God, have mercy upon me, that you heard our prayers. I thank you, Lord, that you washed us in the blood of the Lamb, that our sins have been atoned for, that our guilt and our shame has been taken away, that you've seated us with Jesus Christ in heavenly places, Lord. You've established us. And Lord, you give us confidence to boldly come into the presence of God, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt my sin has been atoned for. The blood has been applied. Thank you for that, Lord. God, I pray that you'd be glorified, that you'd be lifted up, Lord, in our lives, that we would trust you and believe you, Lord. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. And Lord, we just give you praise because of what you have done, Lord. I pray that there be a boldness and a confidence that's ours. In Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen.